Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. In this episode, we're going to take a trip back to December of 2008 to break one of the biggest financial scams ever, the Bernie Madoff debacle. You probably remember Bernie Madoff, right? His famous Ponzi scheme destroyed the life savings of hundreds of presumably sophisticated investors and some money managers too. Billions of dollars vanished into thin air. So, how do smart people end up in these situations? More to the point. How can you avoid becoming the victim of a scam? There are red flags you should recognize today. We're going to talk about them. I'm Stacy Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hello, Stacy, and welcome to our guests. <laughs> yes, listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Wonderful. And of course, we have our friend of the show, Pam Kruger the CEO of WealthRamp. Hello, Pam. Welcome back. Hi, y'all. It's great to be back. I like the hearing that, y'all. And you're you're not a Southern girl either. I'm no, a Southern boy. No, but I've adopted boy. it. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Southern boy. I like hearing the word, y'all. Okay, before we start the show, folks, remember, this is not financial advice, so make sure to do your own research and consult your own resources before acting on anything you learn here. Okay, let's dive in. Pam, I, this was your idea for this show, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, okay. I think it was. I, I want to know why. Is it because it's it, it's because of the the Netflix thing? It's because of the Netflix documentary, and it's also because the timing of. I don't know about you guys, but it's feeling it. You know, in the last few weeks with all the regional banks, it feels a little 2008-ish. Okay. And Netflix did a fantastic job of retelling the story. That happened in 2008 with Bernie Madoff. Was it called the Bernie Madoff story? I can't remember what the actual title was. It's Madoff, the Monster of Wall Street. And the Okay, I I happen to have seen it. And for those of you out out there who have not seen it, you should. If you have access to Netflix, take a look at it. It's not only because it'll help you be a better investor, but also because it's really interesting. It's cool. Well, it's not cool to people that happen to, but it's, it's a good show. It's, so so that brought it. So let, let's do a re- quick recap for those who do not know who Bernie Madoff is, Pam, and uh, for those who didn't see the Netflix show. Yeah. Can you give us a, a quick rundown of what sure, happened? Sure, sure. And by the way, the producers of um, of this particular docuseries, Madoff, The Monster of Wall Street, which is four episodes, they refer to Bernie Madoff, which is so it's such a great way to say it. He's a serial killer, a financial serial killer. So think of, think of Madoff as the Ted Bundy. Of Wall Street. Um, you're you're so, making it even better now. Yeah, just to set the stage, you know, it was in the midst of all the, the too big to fail credit and banking crises that were happening in 08. And all this time, this this really highly regarded, respected wizard of Wall Street, who was so connected with regulators, so connected with the NASDAQ, and so revered, had been running. It was all revealed. Because when the money started to, you know, all kind of the musical game, uh, the musical chairs game came to a stop in 2008 with the banking crises, oops, all of a sudden we found out that this man, Bernie Madoff, with it, so many people respected, all of a sudden we find out he was running a Ponzi scam for years and years How behind it was like the decades, curtain. wasn't it? How long was it? Decades. You know? It was like, yeah, it was decades. It was um, like the seventies to to the no, when the seventies. It was it was really long though. So yeah, and so he had two lives. So he had this life as a upfront look. I run a really successful trading business, and then what the Netflix series did so well 
was they showed that two floors down below that was this investment advisory firm that was rogue. It wasn't registered as an investment advisor. And yet that's where all the millions and tens of billions and billions, what am I saying? Millions, billions were being funneled in through hedge funds, through influencers, wealthy people, you know, dying to throw money uh, at Bernie Madoff if he would please, you know, be willing to manage their money for him in the role of an investment advisor. He was never registered as an investment advisor. And basically, it turned out to be a gigantic $54 billion Ponzi scheme. And all that means is that in a Ponzi, which happens over and over again, big or small, this is where someone's promoting an investment opportunity and it gets a lot of hype and you just can't wait. You've got FOMO. You want to invest. But the money never really gets invested, right? It just goes into the account and literally the investors who come in get paid back with their own money as, as new investors come in. The early investors' money is, is used to pay them off. So it appears that everybody's happy. And as long as you can keep bringing money in, it's a musical cheers game, then you can keep the thing running. Why this guy who had the opportunity to really run a real, uh, you know, valid uh, practice, why he would do this, that's, that's a whole nother level. But what I love about the Netflix series is, yeah, it's dramatic. And I kind of tuned in with the idea that I'm going to watch this for the drama. I'm not really going to learn that much. And I'll tell you, I I really did. I I learned a lot, you know, from seeing it, and it was so well told. And I see Pam why it resonates so much for you because uh, for those of you who don't know, who haven't heard Pam on her show before, Pam owns WealthRamp, and what WealthRamp does is hooks you up to registered investment advisors or hooks you up to CFPs, hooks you up to to legitimate people to help you manage your money. Did I say that close to correctly? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so. So now I understand why you're really interested in this topic, but it is an interesting topic and it's interesting for everyone. And what was really fascinating to me about this when it occurred, not just a Netflix show, was that a lot of the people in this were sophisticated. In fact, I'm sitting in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and not two miles from me um, is uh, the building where one of its major feeder funds came from. So in other words, there's guys in an office, they, they held themselves out to be experts. So if you're a millionaire, they would say, I know where you can put your money. I will manage it for you. I will make sure that it's safe. And so then they would give money to Bernie Madoff, as it turned out, uh, and then they take a cut. They didn't even do anything. They, they, that's why it's called a feeder fund. They gathered the money up. They sent it to Bernie Madoff, let Bernie do his thing, took credit for you know for finding this great money manager, and then took a, it took a piece off. And I'm talking about these guys were making millions, millions of dollars a year for doing nothing except for putting, uh, sending these people's savings into oblivion. So uh, this, this and it's, it's interesting because I was, I was a stockbroker or financial advisor, as was Pam for many years. Uh, and so when you do that for a living, you're like, oh my God, you, these people <laughs> sent money to a con artist? This is literally their job to, to protect your, your savings. And they sent it to a con artist. How does it happen, Pam? So, I mean, if this were just an isolated incident and a really big dramatic story, that would be one thing. But the reason that we're bringing it back and the reason that it's worth bringing back and retelling is because the lessons that you pull out of it are to look around you right now and recognize that either it's on a small scale 
with someone who's promoting something right in your own backyard, and it might be for a few hundred thousand dollars, uh, or whether it's another big scam. So what's the most recent scam we just saw that was a Ponzi that turned out to be a billion dollar Ponzi? What was it? Crypto. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, technically it's not over yeah. yet. We still, we still got that going. <laughs> yeah, that's right. True. So every time we think that we've learned something because we watch this story and Bernie Madoff is just one story, there are just it's all it happens over and over and over again every single day. And it's right in front of us in plain sight. The promoters of these kinds of uh, opportunities and scams and Ponzi's, they are not like serial killers lurking in the shadows. They're in plain sight. They want to be seen. They want Uh to be heard because they want to gain credibility. Because the only way that this kind of scam can ever work is if you believe that they know more than you. And that those feeders or anybody who's a person who's saying, hey, Stacy, Miranda, Aaron, guess what? I've got this private deal I want to tell you about. And these people really know what they're doing. Uh, they, then you know, okay, this person's credible. My friend who's telling me about it has obviously done his or her homework. So everybody thinks that everybody else is doing the homework when, in fact, nobody is doing the homework. And it took yeah, it's, it's one really forensic accountant. There was a guy <laughs> here in Fort Lauderdale named Scott Rustin. Uh He did $1.2 billion uh, scam. And yet, yet he, he was a lawyer. And, and very well known. Like you said, Pam, not only was he, he wasn't out operating the shadows, he was right out front. He had the president of the United States at his house. I mean, when they were, you know, he had candidates, governors coming to his home. He was a huge giver to charity. Everybody in town knew him. And he was running a Ponzi scheme. And he did something else that was really, he did something that's common to Ponzi schemes, which also Bernie Madoff did. Um, he had, the, what his premise was logical. So what, what he was doing was he was saying that um, he, he he did workman's comp claims or something like that. And so, and, and his firm did that. I mean, he had, they had 50 lawyers. I mean, it was a big firm. And so they, what they would do is they'd come to investors and they'd say, well, you know, before these people get their claim, they want to get money now. So if we lend them money today, then we're going to get back, pay back more money later. So, you know, in other words, so they got 50 grand coming. We, we'll give them 40 grand a day. We make 10 grand. That's 20%. We make it in six months. It's, you can't, can't lose. And so it seems it seems logical. It wasn't like you know he pretended to invent something. You know it was it was a logical thing that actually does happen. He just made it all up though. There was nobody who who had any claims. And so he, like the same thing Madoff did, right? What did Madoff do, Pam? Well, first let me just go back to the to the because I think you're making a really important point about the visibility here. You know I, when I was producing uh, the TV series Money Track. I did a scam alert on the show every single week at the end. Do you know how many I could have done that didn't do that were right in front of my face that were um, church uh, leaders, uh-huh. and, and, you know, per, you know, that were really re- highly regarded, very visible. I, I'm thinking about all of these personalities that are in our lives that we look up to. And you think about it for a second. If that person that you've known for a long time and you've really looked up to and had great respect for, started to talk to you about a deal that you could actually invest in, you would 
listen. You know, you might wonder, but you would listen. And if enough people around you start to say, oh, I'm making money from this, you know, I'm actually able to tell you that this is the best deal, you know, I got into this early, then you're not going to do any homework. You're not going to do any due diligence. And the problem is that these people went into these to, to this, these kinds of schemes, they, they do go in on a regular basis, and and Madoff was no exception with their life savings. You know that. Yeah, the that really I, think, sad. I think one of the things that oh, go go ahead. Go yeah, around. I was gonna say I think one of the things you bring up here, you you talk about church groups, um, but there are lots of other uh, vulnerable br- groups, and one of the things they refer to these scams as they're called affinity scams, right? Because you have a certain affinity with the scammer they they're part of your in group they're part of your trusted circle and so you're more likely to do this and and this happens with um in marginalized communities as well uh, a lot of folks get taken advantage of there because somebody comes in who says they're part of that community and so we see that um we see that sometimes too even in my women in business group here locally in town <laughs> like because you're like oh we're here we're all part of this women in business group we're we're together we have these shared interests we have these shared professions we have these shared um ideals so you know one of us is here and they're here to give us an opportunity and you know like you said we we might feel a little bit um skeptical of it at first but we're open to listening, and that's where they get that kind of door in. Yeah, and it starts with being open, and then it goes all of a sudden to the fear of missing out. It is a true emotion. It's a button. It's a trigger. We all have it. Nobody is immune to it. And getting back to what Stacy was asking, you know, from very early on, you guys, you know, he was made off in his role. Um, you know, he was everything was fake over here in this investment advisory business that he ran that, again, we're going to touch on in a second, was not registered. Um, But his other trading businesses, his other trading business was making money. Um, He was legit. He was a market maker. He he ran this legitimate business upstairs on this floor and then two floors down below um, is where all the other you know, a scammy scam was going on. A whole scheme in the Ponzi was going on down below. Like two different cultures, two different worlds. It was two different people. He's, he, you know, it in this one person that nobody knew what was going on on the floor, on floor two down, hey, two floors hey, below. Wasn't he president of the Nasdaq at one time? Yeah, or he, something like that. Yeah, and and he was um, very well respected man. Oh yeah, I mean he was he was, uh, you know, the securities regulators turned to him. You know, yeah, you know what, advice. You guys, we have now. to take a quick break, but before we do, I have to ask you as a question. Have you ever been ripped off? Me? Have, have, have you, Aaron? Ripped off? Ah, not really. Yeah. No. How about you? How about you, Pam? Yeah. I think that when I was, you know, uh, just out of college and I used to, Stacey, I, I, I used to like to buy penny stocks, you know, when I first started investing as a gamble and I lost my asked <laughs> yeah not, not not my life savings but you know my college age you've been ripped off miranda because you've talked about it on the show right <laughs> on, on, a, on a debt deal oh yes yes the uh, old switcheroo from uh, loan consolidation to shuffling me sideways into a debt settlement program yeah yeah it's good times yeah, and I've been ripped off i, I can't t- i mean not like this you know not like a bernie Madoff deal but of course i've been ripped off absolutely 
I've, I've let money to people who said they were going to pay me back. I had no intention of doing so. I've had people tell me they're going to put money in investments. They didn't put it in. I've, I've been ripped off several times. You have, now, yeah. I, well, you know, to answer your question, yeah, he was chairman of the NASDAQ. And so he? if the chairman of the NASDAQ is telling you that he's got a deal for you, are you telling me you're not going to be tempted? Right, right. And you must guys, let me take a really quick break. And when we come back, uh, I want to talk about what the warning signs, the red flags are that'll help you identify uh, a scam if you sh- should you encounter one. That's really the purpose of this whole podcast. We're going to hit that right after we get back. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. We talked about uh, the, some of the colossal sc- cam- scam artists that we've seen in our lifetimes, and we've all been ripped off before. So let's talk about how to prevent being ripped off. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing, Pam, that you've got some ideas on this. I have a list in front of me, but I'm, I'd like to hear from you. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and just you know, to remind everybody once again, this is not a story from 2008 that we're trying to learn lessons from. We're trying to say that this particular story was so big and and we all know that there are such recognizable signs and it's just happening over and over and over what's old is always going to be new again and uh you know so ftx like i said you know giant 10 billion dollar ponzi scheme for anybody who's thinking that it's been since 2008 since a big one happened it hasn't it just happened again um so the big red flags for me okay number one and this is really important, and I know this from what I do for a living <laughs> with helping people connect with real investment advisors. If an investment advisor, and in this case, Bernie Madoff, was posing as an investment advisor, unregistered, unregulated, that meant that he could accept the checks directly from those investors. So the investors were writing the checks to him. There was no custodian. There was no Schwab. There was no trust in between, no trust, meaning a trust company, holding the funds. So you'd get two separate sets of statements, one from the trust company holding your money to tell you your balance and what's going on, and the other from the actual investment advisor who's supposed to be giving you advice. In this case, he was unregistered, so he was able to operate that way and actually take the money, take possession of it. So the advice here is that no matter how great the deal is, If anybody is telling you that they are an investment advisor, they need to be found in the regulator's database, which is really easy to do online. And that's broker check is the first stop. You look up the individual's name or you look up the name of the firm or both. And if you don't find that individual's name in any of the uh, databases for a state or or, um, SEC, the regulators who who are um, have authority over investment advisors, then they don't exist. And in this case, if one person, you guys, one person in that group just did that simple step and stepped back and said, wait a second, the rule number one is this is an investment advisor. He should be regulated and registered. Is Bernie Madoff an exception? Why is his name not in here as a regulated investment advisor? You would have stopped and you would have given yourself, if you just follow this rule, then you would have said something is is off here. He should be regulated. Maybe he's known, he's famous, but he's not being regulated. I don't see his name in those records. That's number one. Wait, what, what's this website again, Pam? Let's emphasize this. What is it? There's there's brokercheck.com. Brokercheck.com. Brokercheck. Yeah, and that's that will take you to a place where you went to the the FINRA site. 
That's the FINRA site, but it has direct links to SEC. Uh. So when you put the individual's name in, Stacy Johnson, and then I look and I see that that individual's name come up with, with your past um, registrations and li- your license, it's going to take you then to the SEC's website if you are registered as an investment advisor, or it will tell you this individual's not registered. Bernie Madoff was not registered. Why he wasn't is a whole set of issues that have to do with how he was not being, um, you know, in any way at all. No one was overseeing it, and, and he got away with that. But you as a consumer, as an investor, you would have said to yourself right there and then, why? Why can't I find any records on him as an investment advisor? That's kind of weird. He's so famous. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things he did, too, which is on my list, evasive answers, lack of communication. Uh, when people say, you know what, this is a strategy that's making 20% a year with no risk whatsoever. You, can, It's super complicated. You can't understand it. But just trust me. Well, yeah, in fact, I've written stories about this before uh, where, uh, where I say, like, it's it's amazing to me. You can literally get a list of people who have fallen for investment scams before, okay? And you can get their email addresses, and you can send them something saying, I make I can make you 100% a year. Uh, and you know what? People will do this. And my question to these people would be, if I can make 100% a year, why the hell would I tell you anything? I would just do it myself, Right. It doesn't make any sense. If I can make if I can make that kind of dough, why do I need your dough? I mean, it's just stupid. It, it is, happens it, a it, lot. But it's a trigger. It, it you know, it really is a trigger. It's an emotional trigger that gets you to want to take action. Um, and and that's that it, that trigger. The only way that 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 any kind you're going to get ripped off at all is is you're going to allow that trigger to dominate your actions, and you're going to say, "Oh, I've got to go with this emotion." And this emotion tells me that if I don't do this right now, I'm going to miss out. That is that FOMO, and it is real. Um, and there's another piece of this that's just really common sense, too, which is, and I hate to say it, and I should have done this with that money that when I was right out of college, and I needed that money, and I couldn't afford to lose that money. But I'll never forget it. I got burned, and so I'll never forget it. Why can't you just do this and participate, even if there's a voice in the back of your head that says, Hang on, this doesn't really make sense, but God damn it, I want to do it because everybody else is doing it and I want to, I don't want to get left out. Why can't you just do it with your sandbox money? And that way you can participate and get the thrill being on the ride, but you're not going to, you're going to sleep at night knowing that it's not your life savings. Just do you your know sandbox what? I just money. thought of something, Pam, not, not a year ago. Within the last year, it was around New Year's Eve. It was just months ago. Uh, I was approached by a guy who's hyper wealthy. I mean, hyper wealthy, a two hundred foot yacht, wealthy, and he he was going to open a hotel. And he was he was approaching people. Uh, this guy's not a fraud, by the way. But anyway, it, it was my first question was, why do you need me? You can write a check for this. It was like a twenty million dollar investment, uh, and he certainly knows lots of people. I don't know him that well, you know. So a lot of my friends were involved. You know, hotel ended up not getting built. But you know what? What I did, though, was I said, I need to see the pro forma financial statements. That, that means financial statements of something that hasn't happened yet, for those of you who are uninitiated. Because uh, I'm a CPA, you know, and I need to know, what are these proje- where are these projections coming from? What, you know, show me. And I don't think any of my friends asked him. 
at all. And again, I want to emphasize, this was not a fraud. It just turned out to be a deal that, that I wasn't interested in investing in. But the point is, nobody asked. And, you know, it, because this guy is so impressive and, and so well-known, you just do it. I mean, you're, you feel flattered that you got offered uh, to invest. And, 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 you know, and I did feel flattered. As a matter of fact, it was a $250,000 minimum investment. He said he let me in for 100 Well, uh, And so now I'm going to question? I'm going to question him? I'm not going to even be in this deal. Right. And there it is. There's actually another good red flag, right? Is when they try and make you feel like this is, you're lucky to be doing this. This is exclusive. You are part of an elite group. And you have to watch out for that. You know, if your total, if your total investable assets, meaning money that you have that you can invest, um, is 5 million, let's just take a number, 5 million, um, you ask yourself, if the minimum investment of this really cool thing that everybody's getting in on is is 100000 that's 2% of your life savings. Okay, okay, can I lose 2% if it turns out to be a complete disaster uh, and I'm going to have the upside of investing the 100000 uh, That's the way to look at it. You know, 2% of your portfolio, I wouldn't even do that. But I mean, the point is, is that if it really is that appealing to you, again, it's sandbox money so that you can still have your foot in the door and be part of the club, yeah. but you're not going to lose your life savings. And I think that's one of the the ways that I approached, you know, we talked about crypto, we mentioned crypto a little bit earlier, that's one of the ways I approach crypto. And I've, I've actually made some money off of crypto, I still have some of my assets in crypto, but it's money that I can afford to lose. And it's money that I went in saying, I, I will probably lose this, and if I make money off of this, amazing. But but you have to you have to have that, and I think w another thing too, that is kind of a personal red flag, to Pam's point is if you are going into something and thinking I need this to work, or I'm screwed. That's a problem. If you are going to into anything going, I am putting everything into this. I need this to work, or I'm screwed. That should be a personal red flag for whatever you're doing, whether it's a legitimate deal like what Stacy was talking about, or whether it's something that seems a little shady. That is such a good point because you're investing from weakness, not from strength. And I'll say one last thing about the Madoff story that ties back to what Stacey said about being a CPA. You know, it was one, just one forensic accountant where, you know, he looked, took one look at this. Harry Markopoulos, thank you very much. He, and, and he was screaming at the regulators. It was just one CPA forensic accountant who looked at what was going on, didn't have any money in it. Didn't have any kind of force in the race here and just said, what is going on here? This doesn't even make sense. Just like Stacy said, I, I'm, I'm looking at these numbers. This doesn't make sense. And it wasn't even looking at pro forma numbers of a business. It was just looking at the manufactured statements. So, you know, one whistleblower from the outside who has no vested interest. When and it took him years. Well, that's because years it took him the time the market yeah. was going down and Madoff was saying that he was still making money. That Right. Yeah. yeah. He made yeah. money. He made the same. Yeah. He made like nine percent every year. Yeah. And that's not possible in the stock market. Oh, yeah. It's physically <laughs> impossible. And he did it for decades, and nobody questioned it. That's another not, not only flag. no one, right? That's right. Another good red yeah. flag, that, right there. But, but not only. But you guys, you guys mentioned earlier on that this is a Netflix show, and I'm like, wait a minute, I've seen this before, and it turns out, you know, Frontline did a piece on this in 2014, and then it was so big that they had Richard Dreyfuss do a movie in 2016 called Madoff. And they had Robert De Niro do another movie in 2017. 
called <laughs> the Wizard of Lies. Uh, so that's how big it wow. was. You know, big stars. Um, yeah. And and then um, you guys are talking about crypto, and I was like, well, how many scams have been out there? And I started searching out crypto scams. Oh, and so I'm like, many. Holy crap! There's been a ton of them. You know, you got the yeah. BitConnect crypto uh, scam. You got the OneCoin crypto scam. Uh, there's just a list. There's like, right. there's like three like, of them. Yeah, and then there's like the squid, NFT. The remember NFT the squid token that, scam? Yeah, well, and then, yeah, the squid game token scam. Well, and then Logan Paul had that, the dragon egg thing, the 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 zoo thing. I don't know, hatching animals. That never came to fruition. Like, there are so many. And then I'm reading about how the SEC is just completely underfunded. It's why they can't, you know, be everywhere and, and catch all these things for everybody. So Yeah. And, you know, there have been people who have been on CNBC who are scam artists, too. Because if you, if you get credibility like that, man, you get, it, it's your ticket to ride. You know, and, right. and I, and radio. I, I oh, oh, come on. The, the highway is littered with radio talk show hosts yeah. in local markets that have been they've gone to jail left and right. I can think of like two in Texas that, so, yeah. you know, when it comes to protecting yourself, it's like, honestly, the, the best, if, even if you just don't even feel like doing any homework at all and you just want to participate, if you just take, you know, a tiny little percentage. That's it. like with you, Miranda, with the crypto. I do the same thing, but I only play with my sandbox money. Yeah. You know what? We're almost out of time. This show went really fast. But Pam, before we before we quit the show, I mean, obviously the word scam fits a lot of different scenarios, but let, let's zero in on the one we're really here to talk about, which is investment scams, and particularly where, where you and your firm come in. Because you're helping people get hooked up to people who we're hoping are not scam artists. <laughs> They're yeah. registered investment yeah, advisors. Yeah, and I so, have to do a lot more than hope. Uh, first of all, you know, every advisor that I'm going to come into contact with that I'm going to want to invite to be part of my network, they're clearly going to have SEC records. And how do you know that? Because I put them right on their profile on the website. But, you know, you guys, beyond the SEC records, there are layers and layers. It took me two and a half years to curate this network because I go deep. I want to know the backstory of the firm. I want to know the culture. I want to know how you guys came together. I want to know what you're doing. I want to know what software you use. You know, I want to understand how you're working with your clients, uh, how you're keeping up with everything. There's a million zillion almost X factors that when it comes to vetting an advisor, and that's what I'm trying to help people do to get to those advisors without having to do all the depth of what I do. But certainly I put those SEC records right there so that people can go look and read them right there. That's great. And so if you are looking for a financial advisor, uh, and, and by the way, Pam's service doesn't cost anything. Why? Because the financial advisor she brings business to gives her a little piece of the action. So you're not even paying anything for the work that Pam has done. Uh, and also, I, I will throw this into this is not a commercial for Pam, although it sounds like one. I've known Pam for 30 years. Uh, if she says she's doing this, years. then she's doing it. <laughs> so anyway, um, Wealth Ramp. I'm going to say it again. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and close the show. We're, we're running over and we've got another show to do. So anyway, we are out of time, folks. We're never out of topic, though. Dig a little deeper. Find links to lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, well, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That's Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And here comes Pam's, uh, here comes Pam's uh, commercial again. Visit Pam at her website, wealthramp.com. Also in her show notes, so don't worry about it. Got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest? Tell us about it. You can email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello at moneytalksnews.com. 
And one final thing, if you like what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Tell your friends, too. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. Pam, thanks so much for being here. We're going to have you on another show, I think, in the next few minutes. <laughs> well, next week, I'm anyway. Well, next, next one. <laughs> yes, next, next one we're going to record. I'll be back next week. Yeah, there you go, next week. Okay, I'm Stacey hey, Johnson. I'm Miranda Markwitz. I'm Aaron Freeman. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. We're going to see you right here next time. <laughs>